Hello, welcome to the new podcast series, King of the Middle, with Michael Joel Green and Chris Moore. Here's Michael Green. Welcome back to King of the Middle podcast. Uh, I'm Michael, co-host. This is Chris. We want to thank you again for joining us. We are podcast talking about what it means to follow God and also follow your passion to create in different art forms. What it means to glorify God through your creativity while also pursuing a career in it. Tonight, I think we're going to be talking about how do you know when or if it is time to quit. Uh, what that actually means too. So, Chris, I'm going to let you let you lead the charge here. I know that this is a subject you've been thinking a lot about. Yeah, <laughs> this is a tough one. Um, so, we're this is our tenth recording, our tenth episode, and we've been, you know, very. We've tried to be very honest and raw about stuff and about our journeys and our struggles. And tonight, we want to get raw. And I, I'm going to get raw here about our episode title is about quitting. And this is in particular, when is it time to hang it up and, and say, my pursuits of any significance, whether it's part-time, whether it's significant time after my regular job at night and on, on the weekends, or whether I'm trying to pursue an artistic career in lieu of a, a, a stabilized job in some area of business. Whatever it is, it's putting a significant amount of your time into this creative endeavor, this art. In the case of Michael, you and myself, we're, we're writers right now. We're also, we've also, you've been a musician. I've worked, dabbled in music and I come from editing and you've done acting. It's all of these different activities and all of this energy that we've put into these things. The question becomes, is there a point where we should literally put this down on ice for a while or permanently and say, yeah, when I have a little bit of free time away from my family, I may do some art. I know people, I know of people who get up early in the morning, they have a full-time job and they get up at four or 5 a.m. and write for a couple of hours and then go to work. That's amazing if you can do that. I'm not capable of doing that. My brain doesn't work that way that I can get up two hours early in the dark of morning and work and then go to a full-time job. Uh, that's just very hard. And at night with a family, and also now I have a toddler coming in and working after a main full job is just not something that's going to be easy for me to do. So the question that I've been struggling with the last couple of years has been, and Michael, we'll, we'll hear from you in a short bit, your, your ideas about this too, in your own walk. Am I being sinful? Am I screwing up? Am I being reckless? And to share a little bit that I've kind of diverted from giving too much information in this podcast, uh, the last couple of years, I have had very little income or next to zilch. And I have been looking for work. I have been pursuing all sorts of work, including teaching, and everything has been coming up bupkis, zero, everything that I've tried to do. And I even, as much as I was reluctant to do it, a couple of years ago, I started reaching out to people I knew in the entertainment business to see if there were any openings in editorial to get my foot back in post-production, which I'd promised the Lord I was not going to do that, but that was work that I'd been well-trained in for two for over two decades, three decades. It was easy for me to be able to settle back into that because I understand the technology and the craft, um, and those doors were closed, and I was glad because I didn't want to go back into the business out, you know, out in LA, but I, I needed money. and. We have been struggling. We've been having a tough time. We've lived on some savings. We've had some assistance from family, which is, as a believer, 
And as a husband, I'm the leader of my household. Doing that is not biblical for me to be asking for help on a, on an ongoing basis from family. So I've been struggling with the walk. I've been struggling with, with being a leader of my household. I've been struggling with what, you know, what should I do and how do I solve this problem? And I have, I have been searching for work and, and it has just been very tough. And right before we started this podcast, I was in the running, the only person in the running to work on an audio drama, a, a, a podcast based on a New York Times bestseller. And I was putting together a budget and starting to do preliminary work and research for a project, which fell through because it got canceled with COVID, got totally shut down. And I have just felt like every direction I've gone to get out of this path as being a Christian writing and trying to create content and get it out there as a believer for ministry and and this podcast and some other projects every time i have tried to do anything to break out of this pattern to get more secure income the doors have shut in my face but i still have to question is the lord saying you're just not working hard enough and and the answer may be yes i'm too scared to go back into the real world and try to find some job just to pay you know to pay our bills and to be more secure and here's here's one of the reasons why i have this struggle one i came out to hollywood in the late 90s because i felt passionate that god had said i'm going to use you with other believers to glorify me doesn't mean it has to be in hollywood but this is the, the area that you feel the gifts and i'm going to use your gifts and he booted the doors open for me when i got out here within the first Four months of being out here, I got an internship that led to a full-time job working for a, an editorial house that did transfers and all kinds of work for movies. And I started working on $100 million movies. And that was just, God just kicked the doors open. And then the father kicked the doors open for the next 15 years or so. The doors got kicked open over and over for me with things that I fell into, getting into meeting people and then moving up to another position until I was working with the likes of Larry David and, and uh, Ryan Murphy big titans in the industry and and dick wolf law and order guy so i felt like god had his hand and was blessing that work but then he made it clear around 2007 2008 it's your time is over you need to move on so i went to school i went back to school because i felt i need to become more more stable in my ability to get work because working in this tv stuff is very niche it's so specific that you really it's hard to take your skill set and go somewhere else unless you're just going to another tv job or some other position that's similar in the industry and that isn't what i wanted to do and i felt the lord was saying no so i went back to school and took a gargantuan debt to go to law school and it, i was right before saying yes or no and agreeing to go to the school that i did I prayed and said, Father, this is going to cost a lot of money. By the time 2010 came around, the cost of going to school was astronomical. And I prayed about it. And right after I prayed, I got a call from the admissions, their admissions liaison guy, a guy named Robert. And he said, we're going to give you a 50% tuition break coming. And I thought, okay, Father, I feel like you are saying, move and do this. Even though with a tuition break, it's still astronomically expensive, and I'm going to be in huge debt. And one of my friends, or, or an acquaintance I knew through my church, who is an ex, was in a lawyer who was not working as a lawyer, but he had gone to law school, said, debt is toxic. And he told me this a hundred times, debt is toxic. And I, it just reverberated through my head for years, even while I was in school. This is scary, but a lot of people will say, smart people will say, debt isn't toxic if it's school debt. But whether it's toxic debt or not, you have a huge burden when you get out of school. And after three years of school and not being able to work because it was law school and it's tremendously intense, um, I came out and I had this huge debt. 
And I didn't go into law right away because I had been so stressed with school because it was a lot of stuff happened. I started having sleeplessness issues, which are genetic. They run in my family and I didn't know it. I didn't really know the magnitude of it till I went to law school and it started hitting me and I started going for weeks without almost any sleep and then it became months. It's a miracle I was able to get through school and pass the bar with how little I was sleeping. It was just, there were literally days of nights where I didn't sleep at all. I would just lay there awake all night. So, and a lot of the stress came from debt. It came from, I'm in school, this is stressful, and my gosh, what happens if I get out of school and I don't wanna do this? Well, it's too late. I'm already 40, 50, 60 grand into debt. I have to finish this schooling thing because I've already wasted my life savings and I'm already in debt with school loans and whatnot, and I've committed to this. So there was just so much weight, and I got out and I went back into TV stuff for a couple of years after getting out of school. I, I took the bar past it. I did a little bit of law work. I did some stuff for church through Mercy Ministry stuff. I, I did a little bit of freelancing. Um, I'm, I was on the board of a nonprofit and did some, some stuff. But basically, that debt and that stress put me into a mindset that firmed up my belief that I have to do something where I feel I'm serving in ministry to the Lord. I have to do it because to do any other work with the amount of debt that I owe would just be working to pay this debt, which would be unbelievably stressful and depressing. So it put me in this mindset that I've really got to double and triple down on ministry through the arts because it's the only way that I see that I can make a living that I'm not going to be really stressed out and upset at all times because I'm just working something I hate and I'm giving away 25 or 30% of my salary to school debt. And this is probably something that accounts for why a lot of younger people who are in school are reporting suicide rates and depression because if you can't make a living doing something you want to do, you're just living to pay your debt and it's dreadful. So for me, it also had the impact of saying you've got to do ministry like you always felt called because if you don't do it, you can't, it's going to kill you. So I've been struggling with how much of that stress that came from and comes from this debt that I have from being in school combined with wanting to do ministry, how much is stubbornness saying my work has to be ministry because I can't do anything else and how much of it is, no, legitimately the Lord opened the door and knew putting me into this situation that I was going to be in this extreme duress to transform me to listen more to what he wanted. And because of school, it became easier for me to make changes, including starting to write because I always wanted to sit around and wait for people to bring stuff to me so I could work with them. And it became, you can't wait anymore. You have to use all the skills that you've learned, including what you learn in law school and business and what you learned about writing in your degrees. You have to apply that now and, and use it. You can't hide behind hoping for someday people who are solid Christians are going to come and swoop you up and you're going to work with them as a team. Because that never happened in 20 years of being in LA that I wanted that to happen. Um, until you and I, Michael, started working with a friend our friend Tom, and we started doing projects, and that helped us get rolling, but it didn't lead to anything where we actually made money to, to make a living, but it got us starting to, to get rolling, which for me helped some with um, the entrepreneurial part, that, okay, let's write. You're writing and you've been doing it. I've got to do some writing because we all kind of agreed that we were going to put ourselves together in this. And then doing the business end with how do we negotiate with people that are coming in for free, but we we may we want to pay them down the line. Um, how do we protect our, our property? How do we not it, it, it cross over copyright problems and whatnot? So good stuff came from the stuff, the projects that we were doing. Um, but again, my struggle has been, should I quit? Or should I keep going? 
I, I have felt this burning passion to do this and, and work in ministry for, for the father for my whole life since I was in college. And yet it's never paid. And I have to question, has it not paid because I haven't listened to him and prayed and said, direct me where you want me to go? Or is it this whole endeavor that I'm doing is insane and I shouldn't be doing it? So anyway, I'm going to stop talking for a bit. I have a little more to say about how family now comes into the dynamic, but I don't want to talk about that until I give you a chance, Michael, to talk for a bit. So no, yeah. no, that's great. I, I love it. That's, it's very, it's very honest. Um, I mean, I can't even organize a lot of thoughts as you were talking. Um, you know, there, there is, um, how do I put this? There's, I've always been kind of, <laughs> uh, conflicted by the definition of the word insanity, which is doing the same things over and over, ex expecting the different result or whatever. Yes. Uh, uh because there's this parable in the Bible about this uh, elderly woman who is trying to get a, uh, a judge to grant her a request. And every time the judge comes in her and says, no, 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 and she keeps going back and going back to the judge until the judge finally says, I'll grant your request, basically, if you'll leave me alone. Uh, and I think Jesus told that parable to say, you know, be per persistent. So I've always been very conflicted on you know, uh, what is, what is, uh, is it not righteous and virtuous to be persistent and to keep on trying, you know, knock down, get back up again. But then the other school of thought says, if you keep knocking against doors that don't open, expecting one to open, is that not the definition of insanity, which, <laughs> you yeah. know, there you go. So there's, there's a lot of a, a schizophrenic kind of a, feel to to all this now from the weird thing is is that um it was always for me this idea of even when i first you know like when i got out of school it was never in my mind you know go start working on a an office career like that was just not it for me it was i'm finally free <laughs> I'm going to go to across the country to try to play in a rock band. Uh, but the thing was, is that I knew that I was not doing it on my own. Like I've always, I do think there's like a healthy balance between, there's a fine balance between a healthy ego and a, a subversive one. Uh, an ego that says, you know, that's the reason it drives me crazy. Sometimes you hear like anything you can do and think it, you can do it or whatever. It's a, uh, no, there are some limitations. If you can't, uh, if you don't have a musical ear, you're not going to be a rock star or whatever. If you're not tall and can jump, you're not going to be an NBA player. But it, so I never would have thought, you know, I can do this on my own. But it was, I think God is guiding me. And I know God is sovereign over every molecule of this universe. So if God is, wants me to do this, well, then he's going to make it happen. Um, so it was never this sort of, I have such incredible talent and I'm going to do this all by myself. I can do it. Uh, uh, no, I you would never think that. Uh, so as you continue to go, and for me, it was, you know, I was in Seattle until I was 30, I think. And I finally got into a band that had, uh, we were, we, we had a good sound and, uh, 
I think we had we had a good sound and we were like-minded we all got along and we had a lot of drive and then uh, my buddy who was the co-writer of the songs uh, left to join uh, his former band and that kind of split it up and you know for me I I had you know I had I had done theater and film in college and I just it was just something in me that could I maybe I I want to go to LA and at that time my buddy my buddy Jason you know told me like move down here you can live with us so you know I prayed every day for months and Lord if I can do this with humility you know bless this if not if this is just vanity crush this and every door opened to send me down to LA so that was a door opened I guess yeah without a doubt so um you know, I, I look at my life in seasons. When there was the Seattle music, then there was the LA acting for eight, nine years, and then there was my Michael in his forties writing books. And you know, I, I don't know. There, there was never kind of that moment that said, you know, quit pursuing acting because I don't want God saying I don't want you to do it. Uh, it was more of my creative interest shifted to writing and I had lost the passion for the the pursuit of it. Not the craft, but the mm. pursuit. Um, now, going back to what you're talking about, I don't think we think, I don't, I don't, we don't think about these ideas of quitting until they start to cost us. And once they start costing us, that's when it really starts. The questions really start to mount. Have I taken a? Have I stayed on a road that I didn't need to be on? Uh, should I have gotten onto another road somewhere down the way? Um, so I think for me, you know, it was nothing to move to LA and to leave Seattle. I was still, I mean, third. I was young. Uh, and I didn't, I mean, I had great friends and church and community, but I wasn't in a, in a relationship. There, it had not cost me yet. Um, I always joke about this. When, we, when Chris and I first started going to our, our church uh, in L.A. back in 2000, end of 2001, 2002, it was mostly entertainment, you know, striving actors, striving musicians, striving directors, writers editors uh and then somewhere along the way i noticed oh my gosh all my friends i don't they're all professional now and they're all starting their families and uh i'm still kind of the now i i was always even in seattle i was working a day job i've always worked uh human resources at corporations uh cubicle kind of desk work uh i always thought it was my day job so for me uh, day job then the work came at night when I got off it was always band practice writing uh, acting classes rehearsals workshops like I never knew what it was like to come home and just watch TV you know which interesting enough has been my life for the last year <laughs> I don't know what that says but uh, um, I completely lost my train of thought here. It's okay. I'll throw uh, in that that used to be my life in recent years, and yeah. then you have a kid, and it's like, eh, no, that doesn't exist anymore. I know. <laughs> but but you know, once 
you start seeing, well, uh, everyone I know now is starting a family. Uh, and then, and then, and then relationships, you know, I, I have had, I have had it said to me, you know, I want by, by woman I was involved with, I want to be able to quit my job and raise a family and my lack of financial stability would not allow for that. And, uh, but at the same time, why can't I give this up still? Why do I cling to it? Uh, I was working day jobs, but I had sacrificed that upward mobility. So, you know, your, your paycheck does not, you don't get that upward increase in pay. Uh, and that's what I sacrificed for the freedom to be able to still pursue that creativity. Um, so I think those are those are the real the, the the great questions for me right there. And we've mentioned on this podcast, I think, in a couple episodes, but it sort of became the driving the driving impetus for everything I'd done. I had done was hearing that idea by Augustine so long ago. You know, trust God and then do what you want to do. Uh, and it was always for me this idea of I need to know if that's true. Will God take care of me? And, you know, I everything that I've seen so far is yes. You know, there were times when I was with, a, I, had, I was, had quit a job to write full time, you know, and my car was breaking down. My dad gave me his car. That was all. I, I got to fly back to Tennessee, spend a week with my parents, and then drive my dad's car back across the country. And it was a the most amazing week with my parents, just seeing kind of their love for me over the years, how I'd been so unconditional. And, you know, phone breaks, a buddy gives me his old phone, you know, just stuff like that. And then I, you know, probably the, the greatest story of all was right before my wedding, you know, a little over a year ago, I was working in a, in a town called Burbank and I was living in Koreatown and then my fiance was living in West Los Angeles. So I was driving like two, three hours a day from my place, you know, to her place, back to my place, to Burbank, you know, just nonstop driving. And my old job was not paying me. Uh, it was not, it did not pay me well. And I knew that once I got married, I'd be moving into uh, my fiance's place and what I would need to be paying for, for rent would, ex it was going to be a lot. And I, it would have been a real stretch. Uh, and then literally like three weeks before my wedding, a coworker of mine from a job from 15, 16 years ago uh, texted me and just said, you know, do you know anyone looking for a job? My company is hiring. And I, I think I wrote back and said, uh, I am. And so I did like five interviews in two weeks with this company. And turns out that the company is a mile and a half from where I would be living once I got married. Uh, and it was a significant pay increase that would allow me to pay the rent without, without freaking out. And uh, that was a God thing, you know. Um, now, the curious thing about that is that my wife, Grace, looked at it and kind of said, see, you took practical steps, you know, to do <laughs> that. And I looked at it and said, I can look at it and say, no, I got to still live abandoned life and free and uh augustine quote and god took care of me mm -hmm. uh and mm -hmm. i don't know who was right i think we're both probably mm -hmm. probably That's right and it's somewhere in the middle you <laughs> yeah. know um but 
as far as I don't know, it's uh, you you did mention a while. You mentioned back when you were talking, um, biblically uh, speaking, it's you're responsible for your family. Where what do you, what do you mean by that? How do you, how do you get that? You're biblically responsible for providing for your family. You're not supposed Where? to be a. I will I will add the exact passage in our links down below for this episode. It's another footnote I have to make about adding notes, but um, you are in numerous places you are called to be able to provide for your family. Um, Now, one of the things that's, that's a biblical calling, but what's interesting is I know people, including relatives who were able to step into jobs in their lifetime that were handed down from their parents or their, their fathers. And it's very interesting when you think, oh, I I never had that where I could step into something and had something where, well, maybe I could do this and have a job and work normal hours and then do some of the art pursuit. I always had to fight tooth and nail to get any kind of work to be able to, to survive because I didn't have something. My dad works and is now retired, mostly retired, 90, 80, 80 90% retired. He's a he, small-time small town contractor. I mean, not really small town. He works all over New Jersey and Philadelphia area, but he, you know, that wasn't what I was going to go in to do. And if I had, and I'd come out to California, I'd be super rich. If I had done what my dad did and I came out here and did residential stuff, I'd be filthy rich. I'd be rolling and I'd be rolling. I'd be sleeping on pillows of, of hundred dollar bills because there's so much money to be made out here. But I, I didn't do that. I went into the crazy art artistic pursuits, which pay zilch or they pay well, but they kill you. Um, and there's, and the, like I said earlier, the niche, the very specific area that, that, that you may work in, if you get into the industry out here, there's nowhere for you to go teach maybe, but I tried that and I, and I tried it and tried it and tried it and I could not get my foot in the door anywhere. Um, some of it may be the Marxism movement that's going on now. And if your name is a certain name, it's harder for you to get into institutions. I don't know. Maybe it's not that maybe it is. I don't know. But, um, but what's interesting is what you said about family. I did want to talk about you and I are both married into our in-laws are Asian American. My in-laws are, are Chinese American. My wife was born here, but her parents were not. And what's, what makes this very complicated, my parents already have issues and, and have been on my case for a number of years. Like, Oh, you have a, you have good work and things. So that's good. But then things dry up and it's like, what are you doing? What have you done lately? Why aren't you stabilizing? And it's even, it's a much bigger deal on the Asian side of the family because they may not come out directly and say, what are you doing? And this is wrong, but there's all that the way that Chinese families work is it's the undertone. It's the subtext of what's being said and what's being done. And I run into that a lot. And I have a lot of conversations with my father-in-law about giving him updates. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's where I see us going. Here are the jobs that I'm submitting to. And I do a lot of check-ins with him um, say before COVID, it was constant. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with, I'm a screw up who there's this sense that I'm, and I'm not saying that they would say this, but I'm saying that I feel the pressure of, I'm a screw up who I have a law degree. You should just be working as a lawyer. Well, the problem with that is, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I've already come from being in a beast of a machine in, in a career that chewed you up and spat you out. And I don't, I realized, which is part of why it was so stressful getting through law school is as I was getting close to the end, I realized I can't start over in a second career in my mid forties, getting into a machine that's going to chew me up. And, and 
quite frankly, the more I soul searched about what kind of law work would I want to do, the honest truth kept coming. If it isn't ministry, if I'm not somehow doing ministry work, I'm going to be really, I don't know how I'm going to make it because I need, I'm at the point where I'm beyond being able to do work in the secular world just to get a paycheck. And and that maybe that's stubborn sin on my part, and that's kind of why I'm I'm welcoming people hearing this podcast and seeing it to comment. We'll dialogue. I will do some video entries back and forth with people and vlog entries discussing issues that come up in comments because I'd really like to talk more about this. And um, but it is tough because no one can really give you a clear answer if you're if you are pursuing work and it, the doors keep closing but you're pursuing ministry work at the same time. I don't know. One thing I do know, and I think, again, we talked about this before, um, but I'll reiterate that I know in the past, even in recent years when you and I were working together, I didn't come to the Lord and say, Father, do you really want me to do this? And if you don't, I'm willing to hear you say no. I didn't do that. And I think the Augustine quote you've mentioned about pray to the Lord and then do what you're going to do, there is something that goes along with that, which is, but pray to the Lord the Lord for him to tell you no uh, if he doesn't want you to do something. And I have not done that properly. It's only in about the past year or so that I've started to say, Father, it's less than a year. I wish I could say it was a year, but it's not. It's maybe half a year where I've said, Father, I'm scared death to death to ask you to make things fail, to direct me, but I know that I should have been doing this for a long time and I have not. So, now I feel more liberated in a way that I feel like if I listen to him and truly say I will go where you want me to go, then I think you're going to take me where you want me to be. And holy mackerel, it might even be involved in doing some law work, although I suspect and I'm hoping that it's not going to be working professionally doing that, but I don't know. Uh, but one thing I'll say that's an inspiration too is one of our favorite pastors, uh, Francis Chan, uh, has talked over and over for years about And he's very bold about this, and he's very emphatic about it. And he's like, you need to pray for the Lord to say, where, where, what does he want you to do? And you have to be bold to hear it when he says, I want you to do things that scare the heck out of you. And I have not done that. I've said that I've done it, and I've kind of half-heartedly been like, okay, Father, I'll do this, or I'll do the hard stuff. But I haven't really honestly said, Father, what do you want me to do? And if you're telling me to do something that's scary as heck, I'm going to obey you. And I haven't. Francis Chan gave this supposed final American uh, 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 half-hour sermon, and he reiterated what he's been saying for years that you and I, I think, really like, which is a lot about listening to the Lord and listening to hard things and then obeying. Um, And that's where I'm at right now. I am trying to do that. And my wife and I were making some changes, which includes most likely we're going to be packing up and heading out of L.A. for a whole host of reasons, not the least of which is it will give us a chance at least for the time being, to get into a place where we are able to be fluid, to move wherever the, the Father wants us to go. So we may go spend some time with family for a bit, um, but we're not necessarily leaving California permanently, but we're going to pack up the material things that we don't need, we're going to get rid of, and we're going to pack some stuff tighter, and we're going to allow ourselves to flow to hear what the Father wants. Um, but I've not been good at listening. I've been scared. And I think I talked... I mentioned a lot in the last episode that I always felt the best when my hope was, hey, these things we're doing, Michael and our friend Tom and I, we're working on this project and it looks really positive and look at the amazing things that can happen. I'm getting pumped up. I'm getting excited. And then when things didn't go or didn't look as optimistic a couple weeks later that we were going to have the kind of success, suddenly my whole world fell out from under me. And, and I went through all these ups and downs. Last episode, I did this up and down and up and down. 
I live too much on those waves and I am trying to now say in this quitting or not, or what is quitting and what is direction? Father, I need to take the scary steps to listen to you. And I've not done that. I've claimed that I have, but I haven't. So anyway, that's kind of where I'm at. And and I know you have some experience because you've mentioned twice about there was a point where you met someone who you thought that was a person that you would marry. And because of your artistic pursuits, that was a major stumbling block for that for that woman. And you mentioned it last episode and you mentioned it again this episode. So I know you've got you've had experience with family and feeling like you're in some ways you're being judged. So I'd like to hear a little bit, Michael, about what what your experience with that. Oh, um, I just I, as you're talking, I was laughing. I've I've moved out of L.A. twice in my life and each time I've moved back not really planning on it and i just have a little could can't oh, help yeah. but laugh yeah, i can't quit this place man yeah. like, how come i can't get out of it's here the, uh, it's the michael corleone i keep trying to get oh, out they keep pulling man. me back i keep no. trying to get out of this place and i keep coming back to it um <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely yeah. gotten harder uh yeah I, yeah uh maybe someday i'll be able to quit this place but uh or maybe we're not called to quit this place despite may, the insanity know, think, right that's now it, that's we're going to talk about this and maybe even the next episode about how as Christians we deal with world issues in our writing to be believers where we don't take a hard right stance that some people would have us say that's just the default. What you? But I think that's for a future episode, a very soon to come episode. But I'm scared of California because of what's happening in this state and how crazy things are. And there's well, plenty of stuff out there. I, 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 but I, I, I don't know that the Lord's saying... Well, yeah, that's, get out of California. A, I don't know that he's actually going to say that. That's no, a that's, different discussion. If, no, I, I recently I I must confess that I um, someone sent a picture or something in, in their family was in Wyoming, traveling through Wyoming, and I've I've visited Wyoming two or three times, and it's really really beautiful. Have you been to Devil's Tower? And, the Close yeah, Encounters, I mean, the third kind. Oh, I yeah, want to yeah, go there yeah. someday <laughs> yeah. because of that. Um. But I started just getting really wistful thinking about like, and I started just kind of telling, <laughs> joking to Grace all day going, I want to move to Wyoming. I want to live in Wyoming. And uh, she's kind of, you've never mentioned this before. I want to go to Wyoming. The stars. But in the end, in the end, what was it? It was like, well, if God doesn't call me out of LA, I'm not leaving LA. It's where God calls you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to go back to your original question. Uh, yeah, I, it's my my artistic pursuits and lack of uh, that sort of career more mobility have cost me a lot. And, you know, I think it's very easy to be entitled when you are pursuing something that you you think is glorifying God and God is calling you to. Uh when it doesn't happen, if we have that sense of entitlement, we start getting really bitter. And I have two or three seasons of my life where I have let, whether it be a sense of entitlement or just disappointment, uh, cause me cause me to become really bitter. And uh, each time, um, I think I probably had to have a couple of real falls before I realized that I was I had fallen into bitterness. Uh, so. You know, man, it's we're not entitled to anything, and I think that's a hard lesson to learn. Um, expectations just 
it's just natural as you get older expectations in, in your mind you know it's my wife my wife always comes back to this because you know like even health problems like we were talking about last week uh our bodies are dying man our bodies are wilting but grace always says like your body is dying but your inside the lord is changing and growing and 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 sanctifying and making more holy each day so you know where where i'm going with that is our expectations especially the younger we are but our expectations are always going to look a lot worldly and uh there's going to be that that aim to you know point people to lord to the lord and salvation but there's always going to be some desire for the the accolades that fame provides or notoriety provides so you know man it's uh i think some of the 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 times where my career pursuits have cost me particularly in the in terms of relationships uh you know you have to look at it and say i we have to count the cost. And I think that's the reason that I, I, I really want to do the one of the first things I wanted to do with this podcast was have people know that, you know, before you throw, you leave something, count the cost. I never did that. I just sprinted into things. Mm-hmm. And I probably still do. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's who I am. Yep. Me but, too. But I, I definitely still, I need to learn to count the cost a little better too. And, uh, you know, uh, at the same time, also knowing, look what God did for me. Uh, yes, I had a relationship that didn't work out, but God, in his perfect timing, brought the woman that was going to be my wife into my life and who is the perfect wife for me. So, praise mm-hmm. God. Amen. Yep. Um, yep. So, we look at it and say... God may never give you. I always have struggled with this. People say, God told me this. I've never heard an audible word from God, you know. Uh, so when you're really praying, praying for something and searching for wisdom, you almost want God to say no, you know, or yes. Never got that, you know. Mm-hmm. So yep. there, there yep. is an element of confusion to that because... You know, what do we do? We pray, and if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us that it's wrong, and then I guess that's our way of knowing yes. Uh, but it can be very confusing when you are you are compelled to do something and to strive for something, and then you see it not only not working out, but it costing you really, really great things. And uh, But in the end, what do we have? Well, we have the testimony uh, of God's faithfulness, and God in my life, uh, through struggle, through suffering, through loss, uh, being strengthened and readying me for when God did provide the perfect wife into my life for me. Uh, so where that leaves me as far as uh, writing, uh, creative endeavors, uh, I don't know, man. I, I definitely have more peace these days where it's, uh, I can, and I hope this isn't just becoming lazy and lazy, 
but I can go and make dinner with my wife and then watch reruns of 24 and then go to bed and not feel like haggard and angry at myself because I didn't get two hours of, of writing in. Now, I need to be working again. I'll be straight up honest. This whole COVID quarantine thing, it has knocked me cold out mm. and my creativity has petered out and I don't know how to get it back. Mm. Uh, but it will come back. Uh, but at the same time, I can at least allow myself the grace to enjoy a night at having dinner and watching reruns of 24 with my wife at home. Um, and there's a calmness there. There's a peacefulness there that, yeah, mm. I, I don't freak out about time as much anymore. I used to be like, oh my gosh, I'm 25 years old and I'm not a rock star yet. And then, you know, I got to have eight albums out by the time I'm 30, <laughs> you know, or then it was, I'm, I got to be a, you know, film actor by the time I'm 33 or whatever. And I mean, time would just torture me. And uh, the passage of it would, I mean, just wreck me. And, you know, man, right now I'm, I'm a lot more <laughs> I'm a lot more calm about it and it feels good. Actually. That's great. And I, I can add too about my own, let's say the art of meeting the right person getting married. Cause we both got married after 40 and what you just said about your wife, similar to me, I, I did the same thing in the art of trying to find the right person. I, I dated women who were both great. And I, I was in dating relationships that were terrible that I shouldn't have been in. But in all those cases, I didn't pray to the Lord and say, should I be in this? And how can I be comfortable and what are the signs whether this is is right or not? And and a lot of it kept coming back on how do I see myself based on success or failure as an artist and who I'm who I want to be and where I want to be with career? That played a heavy that that was a heavy weight on me in a lot of circumstances when I was dating that also got in the way of my ability to just be comfortable and then be able to decide whether, oh, is this relationship right and worth pursuing or is it not? And I was in situations where I think women I was dating, it didn't matter what I did. And there were others where it did matter. And I just, it, I got to the place where God had the exact person who he wanted for me. And unlike you said, you've never heard God speak to you when it comes to my wife. I heard him very clearly tell me in the darkness of night when I had, was not going to ask the woman, Andrea, that I married, I was not going to ask her out. And I heard him very clearly say, yeah, this is, I want you to ask her out. There's something very serious here. And it wasn't hearing the words. It was hearing it talking to my spirit. And it, and it was, there's no nonsense because I, that was the last thing I wanted to hear. And I heard it very clearly. And I'm like, well, now I know God's talking to me. And it's the times when I listen and it's not very often that I've been almost never been told do things like that pretty much never, but praying for that and, and just praying for wisdom or, or through direction in our lives for him to tell us talk through other people, what to do is where we need to be. And certainly with our relationships, look what's happened when we obeyed. Now all we have to do is obey what he wants us in our careers, especially if he tells us something that that we don't want to hear. Because I think both of us might also say that we didn't necessarily think that this, the wives that we married were the people that we were going to marry when we first met them. Or, date, you know, it, it it's part of obedience and listening. And we need to apply that what we've had success finding the right woman, we need to do that with now the work pursuit to say, what do you want for me? So anyway, I think that's a great, I think that's a great wrapping point.
for now. I think it's a great place. I think you had a lot of great insights that were different from mine. And I, I think I learned some stuff from you, especially counting costs is something I need to be more aware of, um, which is excellent. So uh, yeah. So anyway, I think we can wrap until next week. Put a wrap and, on this thing. And maybe next week we can talk about subject to change, but we may talk about um, dealing with all this social chaos and Marxism yeah. that's happening. And how do we, because we're both working on short story collections as Christians as part of our walk and we're working on these stories and we're incorporating worldly stuff into them, but we want to be compassionate in our storytelling so that we don't just default to some hard right stance as Christians and say, I'm just going to tell a story that's telling the same narrative that I'm hearing coming from the right that's against what I'm hearing on the on the far left. We don't want to do that as artists, but we want to stay grounded biblically in God and not be progressive. And I think that would be a great place for us to talk about because this get this relates to being in the middle not literally in the middle between left and right but how do we make our work actually alive and and valuable and, and important in a time like this yeah. and how do we as christians and i i would love to explore that yeah so, absolutely excellent well well thank you chris thank you and thank everybody for listening uh this has been king of the middle podcast have a great rest of the week bye all right thanks everybody good night Thanks for listening to King of the Middle with Michael Joel Green and Chris Moore. Check us out on YouTube or Facebook if you'd like to see the vidcast version of this podcast.